1: From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome Giants fans to episode 120 of the Talk is Cheap podcast, a New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. I'm Dan Duggan and I'm joined by Ryan Dunleavy. Uh, We're at that point in the offseason where the the view starts to change towards the draft and and one of the big kind of... Checkpoints in the off season is the combine takes place next week in Indianapolis. Uh, Ryan will be out there getting his first taste of the combine. So he'll get to see uh, what it's like when, you know, 300 some odd prospects and a million reporters and scouts and GMs and coaches and everyone descend on Indianapolis for a week and kind of take over the town. It's, it's kind of a scene uh, like, like no other.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, Dan. I, I got to tell you, it's always looked kind of like a track meet on television, uh, but from here, and I know you've been to two, I think, and I know a lot of other reporters who have been. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the spectacle of it. I, I've been to a Super Bowl media day. I don't know if it compares to that. What, what's it like? Actually, is it is it as boring as it seems on TV? I ran I ran high school track, so uh, anybody I just offended. Is it as boring as it seems on TV? Is it is it fun? Is it like alive with like trade rumors and buzz? What's it like?
1: <laughs> That's funny because my sisters, who were a few years older than me, ran track, and going to their track meets when I was a kid definitely beat any thoughts of me ever doing that sport out of me because it, it would be brutal. One would run yeah. a race at the start of it, and six hours later, the other one would run. So yeah, uh, no, thankfully it's not it's not quite that boring uh, at all. It's funny. It's it's one of these sports. It's almost like you know golf, where it's it's a better spectator sport on TV. I really think if you're going to talk about the actual on field stuff, you know, the stuff that everyone gets excited about, where it's the 40 yard dash or the bench press, whatever. I mean, that stuff, you're better off, you know, just kind of sitting there and letting my Mike, Mike Mayock uh, narrate it for you. Um, obviously he's going to give you more insight um, than you know, pretty much anyone can, um, but you the actual being at the event for reporters and, and really um, you know, kind of everyone in the NFL industry. Uh, it's more about kind of the networking that goes on and a lot of the conversations that go on. I mean, uh, first off, Pat Sherman and Dave Gettleman will meet the media. I believe it's next Wednesday morning. Um, yeah. So that'll be good to kind of check in with them now that they're not, you know, maybe at some point we'll stop referring to them as like new coach, new GM, you know, they'll just be the coach and the GM. And uh, so this will be the first time to talk to them in a, a non introductory setting. Um, and then there's a ton of every agent who, every agent who's, you know, representing an NFL player is in Indianapolis because they have their big convention. It just obviously kind of makes sense to have it at this event. Uh, So there's a ton of networking going on there with obviously, hey, media members are trying to get the agents. But more importantly, agents are talking to personnel people. And I mean, there's so many kind of wink nod rules that exist in professional sports. And the fact that, you know, technically you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, free agency until you know two days before the league year officially opens. Uh, that's when they have the legal tamper, tampering period. Well, just consider the combine the, the kickoff of the illegal tampering period. That's all, <laughs> that's all that goes on. I mean, listen, we'll all be chasing scoops. The national guys will have tons of scoops. I mean, those don't just appear. It's because agents and, and front office people are talking, and it really lays the groundwork. I mean, you'll kind of have a much better sense of, you know, where the Giants are looking in free agency. Uh, after the combine because again that's where a lot of the preliminary conversations take place it was at this point last year uh, that we I got this I had heard from a few agents and, and just people around the league that Jonathan Hankins was not going to come nearly as cheap as I thought and obviously that turned out to be the case as people remember his free agency dragged on forever and he had some really uh, exorbitant demands but Ah, uh, the first time you really can sink your teeth into that type of stuff is the combine. So to me, that's the real value from a reporting standpoint, but also from a fan standpoint, you, you're going to finally get some real information. And it's always, its funny. It's almost like the undercard is the prospects. I mean, you know, it's—it's there is their moment in the sun, but free agency comes, you know, a week and a half after you leave Indianapolis for the combine. The draft is still going to be about two months away, so we'll still have plenty more time to to dive into the draft. But it's—it's it's really all about. Um, you know, really getting the free agency kicked off. A lot of those rumors starting, a lot of that talk starting. So, um, yeah, thankfully when you're out there, you won't be sitting there just you know, sitting in the stands watching guys run 40 yard dash. I mean, you'll, more, you'll be doing more just reporting, uh, yeah. you know, about the Giants and, and everything going on with the team.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I relate it back to Pro Day. Obviously, I've covered quite a few Pro Days for college teams. And man, like by the time they're doing their third vertical jump, I'm, I'm like <laughs> checking my watch. So,
1: yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a much yeah, different vibe. It's funny. It's, you know, I was just at the Super Bowl. It's kind of a scaled down version of the Super Bowl because, again, you have. Pretty much everybody who's anybody in the NFL world is there. You just don't have the huge pomp and circumstance of the fans and of yeah. all the buzz and the uh, you know, everything that kind of goes into the Super Bowl. But in terms of the NFL world, I mean, there's more NFL people probably at the combine because you know not you know Dave Gettleman didn't go to the Super Bowl. I'm sure he didn't go to the Super Bowl. I mean, sure yeah. the I mean they're all be in town, so it's a it's a very unique setting because again, you have all 32 GMs, all 32 head coaches, all their staffs, uh, you know, scouts. I mean, it's really. Uh, if you're a, if one thing you'll hear too, if you're a coach who wants to get into the business, it's the place to be. I mean, there was a story with Ben McAdoo, I think it was you know, driving through a snowstorm to meet Mike McCarthy way back when his career began. Um, yeah. I'm sure some fans wish this car didn't make it to uh, Indianapolis <laughs> to, start <laughs> to start his career, but uh, it's a, it's a kind of a coach's convention, It's it's really like just a uh, football guys heaven, because it's just, it's all, that's all there is in the, in, in Indianapolis that whole week, you go into any you know sports bar or restaurant. It's yeah. just a bunch of dudes, you know, in, in different aspects of the football world, just kind of talking shop.
0: Yeah. So let's get to, uh, let's get to the meat, the meat and potatoes of it, Dan, what, who do you think they should be evaluating with the number two pick? The giants haven't picked this high in like 30 years. Who yeah. should, who do you think they should be looking at number two pick?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I've made my point <laughs> abundantly clear on this topic. And people on Twitter are probably tired of hearing me say it. And we only we still have two months to go for the draft. But I think it's, it's kind of all about the quarterbacks. I mean, listen, Saquon Barkley, the, the running back from Penn State, is going to annihilate the combine. I mean, he is a physical freak. I'm sure he will run super fast. He'll be super strong. He'll be super explosive. But those are kind of expected. I mean, no, he, hes I don't think he can really help his stock there. I mean, he might just put it further off the charts because, I mean, I think everyone expects him to test really well, and, and I'm sure he will. It's the quarterback, that so you have to – uh, evaluate these guys, uh, you know, physically. You get to, you know, watch them go through all these drills. The footwork. A guy like Josh Allen, is his footwork better? I mean, Sam Darnold, his hand size is going to be a big concern. Cause he <laughs> all the f- it's funny, it's he had all the fumble problems, and you talk about these guys yeah. from, you know, Southern California having to come to the Northeast. I mean, it's that's a legitimate thing. I think his hand size, it'll be like drum roll when that gets announced. I yeah. mean, it's really going to be that big of a deal. Uh, But I think even the bigger thing is the stuff they'll have behind the scenes is the interviews that will take place at the combine. I mean, that's where, you know, these coaches and GMs are going to really get their first chance to sit in a room. I believe you get uh, 60 interviews that can last 15 minutes. So it's sort of like speed dating. um, But, you know, you want to sit there you're going to talk to Josh Rosen. You have some concerns, whatever has come up in his past or Baker Mayfield, any of these guys who have sort of off field red flags and you're going to hammer him on them. You're going to see how they respond. And, and I can't tell you how many times Jerry Reese, you know, got to the podium last year and raved about the combine interview with a guy they ended up drafting. I mean, I think it really does go a long way. They're going to put these guys on the board, you know, Lamar Jackson or, you know, these guys that played gimmicky offenses. Can you tell me what you're seeing here and break down this coverage and everything like that. So it's, that's the stuff that's, hugely important especially the quarterback spots so i think that's the part that whatever leaks and, and stuff we get out of those uh interviews with the players i think that'll kind of go a long way to kind of setting maybe where where the giants are leaning and which players they like and maybe someone doesn't have a good interview i mean that's the stuff that i think is really going to be interesting and again when you're talking about the quarterback position the intangibles is always you know vitally important so i think that'll be uh, a big thing to see how that kind of comes out of uh, the combine yeah, to me, it's uh, I'm most
0: interested in the part that you know happens at night. Those interviews, uh, especially Rosen and uh, Mayfield, are the two guys you mentioned. I think th- that's fascinating. There's a lot of questions to grill those guys on. I mean, we've all read these like anonymous reports, right? About like. Uh, josh rosen's teammates don't like him or you know it reminds me of draft day did you ever see that huh. movie where, like kevin yes. costner yeah it's, actually it's,
1: bad, eh, it's a kind of it's bad movie bad. but it's it, it, it kind of gets some run in our circles or around this time of yeah. year and there's always the yeah. jokes about you know not was it not going to the birthday party or something yeah. like that? That no, Covered, like, and you yeah. and it's like it's definitely based in some truth you, you're you waiting it's, for that to absolutely. come out about josh rosen that his teammates didn't go to his birthday party or something yes
0: Yeah, that's exactly. Or Mayfield with the planting the flag or the crotch grab to the fans or whatever. There's definitely things you need to find out because, you know, I'm sure if you look back, I'm sure the Chargers wish they did a more thorough one with Ryan Leaf way back when, you know. So uh, I'm sure the Browns wish they did a more thorough one with Johnny Manziel. So uh, certain stuff, you know. I think the Giants, I'm with you, they they need to evaluate probably all four quarterbacks at the top of the draft. That's Rosen, Darnold, Mayfield, and Josh Allen. They have to do a full workup on all four of those guys. I think they have to do a full one on Saquon Barkley. Uh, that's actually caused some buzz uh, when Mel Kuyper at ESPN has the Giants passing over the quarterbacks to take Saquon Barkley. I agree with you, generational talent, but giants don't pick here high, high enough here that i i'm with you i don't think they can pick, take anything other than a uh, quarterback and that includes running back and includes defensive end bradley chubb and mm. we know the giants love their defensive ends we know they love their pass rushers i don't expect that's going to change whether you run a four three a three four a two five uh anything like that they're still going to love their pass rushers uh but i think it's all about quarterback 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 that's where they need to focus the number two pick
1: yeah, and the, and the one thing I'll say cuz again I've banged the quarterback drum, you know, going back, you know, once it became evident that they were going to have a top pick. I will say if they evaluate these four guys and they just don't love any of them, I think it's a, it'd be a mistake to pass on a guy, but it'd be a bigger mistake to force a guy. Like say you love Sam Darnold and he goes number 1 and you just don't like any of the other three guys that are left or you know whoever you want to put in that spot. Then then yeah, then I think it's certainly they'd be within their, you know, rights or whatever to not do it. My whole thing with the quarterbacks is You just can't make the decision based on Eli Manning and, to a lesser extent, Davis Webb. If you think that Josh Rosen or Josh Allen or whoever could be a franchise quarterback for the next 15 years, you take him and you don't worry about anything else. If Davis Webb develops, then you have a trade chip. Or if Eli Manning has another two good years, well, then – you know, the the kid, you know, apprentices for two years and still has got, you know, three years left on his rookie deal at a at a reasonable rate. So that's the only disclaimer I'll say. I think they should take a quarterback, but listen, I'm not gonna be in those interviews and I'm not the one who has, you know, forty years of experience like Dave Gettleman. If he doesn't see what he needs to see, then hey, then you open up the door to a Saquon Barkley or the other really popular decision I keep seeing from fans, and I, I think it's oversimplified. It's just trade back, as if it's that simple. And I mean, I know there's rumors out there, and I don't know where some of these things start, and they just take on life of their own. That Buffalo has, you know, the two first round picks I believe at 20 and 21, and and they're supposedly interested in Josh Rosen. So would the Giants be a trade partner? I, I mean, I wouldn't trade all the way back to 20 and 21. I know it's. I think it's a quality type deal instead of quantity when you're talking about a number two pick. I mean, that's that's a franchise changing.
0: You so that's interesting. You wouldn't trade the number two pick for two first rounders. Uh,
1: I mean not I mean obviously they'd be more involved and you'd probably get a Yeah, a, of course, of course. something next year, but I'm saying if, if you know, if the if the crux of the pick is is kind of just accumulating late first round picks cuz then let's say You know, you get Buffalo's first round next year and they were a playoff team this year. So, again, you're talking like three picks in the 20 range. I mean, I know there's the trade chart and maybe it would be good value. But I just think that it's so rare, like you said, because even the Giants have had some bad years. To get the number two pick for them is exceedingly rare. I think it was LT, you know, 30-some-odd years ago. So you don't end up in this position very often. So if there's a chance to get a franchise changing quarterback, then I think you have to do it. I think I'd be much more inclined to trade back with, you know, Denver at number five or, you know, yeah. whoever's got, you know, Arizona in like the around 10, but going all the way back to 2021. 20, I mean, I know that, Hey, if you get a couple of first round picks, you might help your odds. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, it's just it, the odds of getting a franchise-altering player in, in those spots to me is just so much lower that I think that, yeah, it's nice to get more draft picks, but I just think there's a lot of risk involved because you might pass on a guy at two, and it'd be tough to find someone as good as him at you know 20 or 21.
0: Yeah, and I know fans will give you a bunch of guys who were drafted in the twenties who were ended up being great players. Uh, You know, fans always love to find the exceptions to the rule. I think you're right. That's the rule, but say they were to trade back. Let's throw out a couple options. They should look at, um, if they were to trade back into the teens, stockpile some draft picks. I think Lamar Jackson, the quarterback from Louisville, if he wows them in some sort of interview or at the combine is interesting. The giants haven't really had a quarterback like that prototype anywhere. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Shermer's resume and Shula's resume has shown that they've worked with all different quarterback skill sets. Lamar Jackson would be an interesting guy. I think uh, some of the, uh, defend, uh, the offensive tackles like uh, McGlinchley out of Notre Dame or Connor Williams out of Texas or Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma, they're probably guys that you're looking at in the 20s. Uh, I think those guys would be interesting if you could somehow come away. Uh, one of those guys that would give you a uh, you know, a remade offensive line, which is goal number one for the off season. Who do you like in that like fifteen to twenty five range?
1: Yeah, I think it would definitely be those tackles you mentioned because I think it would have to be part of kind of a, a grand uh plan to rebuild it. It wouldn't just be like, well, we're just gonna get the best player available. I think it would have to sort of be this is how we're gonna you know patch this team together because. Um, you know, the, the the benefit is obviously the draft happens after free agency. So, so you'll know what you have, what holes you have. So the trade obviously wouldn't have to happen until after you know what you have. So let's just say they get Andrew Norwell. All right. So we have our left guard franchise guy, but we spent a lot of money there and then how the heck do we fix the tackle spots? Well, then you could say, well, listen, there isn't a tackle worth taking at two, but let's trade back. I think I was saying Buffalo is twenty and twenty-one. I believe they're actually twenty-one at twenty-two, but you you, know, you get the idea. And then you get back there, and then McClinchy or or one of those tackles is a much more appealing option if he's sliding down the board. And then you can get him and say, okay, now we have our tackle. We got a guard in Norwell, and we still have another pick to maybe take a flyer on a Lamar Jackson. Or just find another player. Because, I mean, there's plenty of holes on this team. Maybe there's a linebacker that, again, yeah. you're kind of pigeonholed it, too. You can't really just take the best player available. I know it sounds great. I mean, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, might be the best player. Or most slam dunk, like, future pro bowler in this draft. But, but it's Minka hard Fitzpatrick, to...
0: Fitzpatrick, too. I mean, Minka yeah, Fitzpatrick.
1: And it's just hard to take that position at two in my opinion especially with where the Giants are at and what they need and and the fact that those quarterbacks are staring them in the face but as you get down to 2021 I mean it then it's a lot easier to take a tackle take a safety if you just think he's clearly the best player and you can step right in and play that makes sense I just think with two that's a pick with like a 10-year window you're putting on it 2021 it's like all right hopefully this guy works out and he gets a second contract (laughs) but you're thinking at number two you're thinking this guy's gonna be a franchise defining player for the next eight to 10 to 12, 14 years if everything goes well.
0: Let me throw out an idea that I had that you'll see in my next mock draft. Uh, tell me what you think of this. I don't think the giants should trade down. I think the giants should trade up and by, I don't mean two to one. I mean, stay at two and get into the back of that first round. Something we've seen teams do a lot. You move up from the giants are 34, the second pick of the second round, uh, Get into 25, 24, 26, something like that, and make sure you get the offensive linemen you want. We mentioned they should be scouting the uh, quarterbacks at the combine, all those guys, and I'll throw in Colton Miller of UCLA too in in that group of tackles we mentioned earlier. Uh, Identify which of those tackles you want, maybe move up into the 20s to get them, especially if there's two or three of them are off the board. I, I don't think the Giants should sit there idly and wait till 34 and restart after day one use the seven hours on the day two of the draft to decide who they want with the number seven pick be aggressive. And if there's a tackle you want or a linebacker you want for this three, four defense, I like the idea of the giants trading up and coming away with two first round picks on the first day.
1: Yeah. I mean, that like that 34 pick is definitely uh, got some value. But like you said, the difference between 26 and 34 might make it worth it. And, and that, that even goes back to, it will be interesting to see how Gettleman handles the draft because one of the big knocks on Reese was he never traded back? He didn't really trade up either. He basically just stayed where he was and took the best player every time. I mean, the, the great exception, though, that, you know, should have given him probably more encouragement to do it more was he traded up to get Landon Collins at the yeah. top of the second round a couple years ago, and it, clearly that paid off. So I think there definitely is something, too. If there's a guy who's sitting there 24, 25, we maybe didn't think would be available at that point, it's definitely worth making the phone call. It's definitely worth being aggressive. Um, it, it's all – it's so hard to kind of project some of those types of things because – we don't know what Dave Gettleman's kind of grand plan is. Does he look at this as something that listen, this team went eleven and five two years ago, Eli really is, you know, still super bowl caliber and we can fix this quick. In the, in that case, you might be more aggressive to go up and get a guy if he's saying, "Listen, it's going to take a while. It's bringing some lean years as we move on from Eli to the next guy. We we should be if anything. We should maybe accumulating picks for future drafts. It's really hard for any of us to say with any certainty because um, clearly, you know, Gattelman hasn't tipped his hand on that front. It's only been you know a couple of months since he's been uh, you know in charge, and and we don't have a track record of you know what he thinks of this roster and stuff like that. So. It's really interesting. It's 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 kind of wide open this year. I mean, I think one of the complaints a lot of Giants fans had is they felt like uh, everyone kind of knew what Dre Reese was thinking on draft day and some of those drafts. And with Gettleman, I feel like it's kind of going to be the opposite. I don't think anyone's going to really have a strong handle on you know which way or how he's going to approach this year.
0: Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I think the one exception would be he might have tipped his hand a little bit that he thinks it can be a quick fix when they pretty much gave Eli the starting job. Not that I ever really thought they were going to cut him but that they that they just basically told everybody in the NFL what they were doing on January nineteenth or whatever when they're like, yep, Eli Steve yeah. Tisch is like, yeah, Eli Manning's gonna be our day <laughs> one starter. And I was like, oh, th- all right, that's great. I don't have to spend six months
1: asking
0: how the <laughs> right. quarterbacks look today. Uh, right, right. I think you and I both have done enough of that in our careers to last us a lifetime. So because right. uh, well, yeah,
1: then you know that's right, like you know expected starter. or Put those yeah. like, silly disclaimers in front of everything, but and, and that's the thing too it's like hey, listen sometimes uh these jobs are more than just pure football i mean there's pr involved and there's feelings involved and and i think that the ownership wanted eli to be the guy so gettleman couldn't kind of you know play a coin and, and you know do that type of thing i think he had to probably just even whether he wanted to or not have to just say eli's the guy and just move on because he wasn't going to win that battle. I think of, uh, of coming in and telling ownership that, yeah, we're going to just let it play out and see how he looks in, in the spring. I just don't think that was going to fly. So uh, yeah, might've lost a little bit of his, uh, his kind of ability to be coy, but sometimes you got to bite the bullet and just kind of do what, uh, what ownership wants. And, and what's kind of good for the PR front.
0: Give me some other guys, Dan, that you think you maybe not at the top of the draft, maybe not in the first round, second, third rounders that you know uh, would pique your interest at the Combine.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, it's interesting. Like, I think a guy who um, could definitely be on the Giants' radar is Billy Price, who's a center and also played some guard at Ohio State. I know he's a guy who's kind of popular when you talk about who they could look for in that, that number 34 pick, that early second round pick. And I think that would just make a lot of sense because I think we all expect they're going to let Western Richburg walk and then they're gonna re-sign Brett Jones on the restricted tenure. It was just financially, that just makes a ton of sense. And the the disparity between those two players definitely wasn't great enough to go pay Weston Richburg, you know, a long-term contract. So, if you bring Brett Jones back on a one-year deal, and then you draft a guy like Price. It's sort of like what Minnesota did last year. The name's escaping me, but they uh, they drafted an Ohio State interior offensive lineman. Uh, again, I'm blanking on his name. But, and he stepped right into the lineup, and, and it really helped them kind of reshape things on the fly. So, hey, best-case scenario, Price goes in and beats out Jones this year, and maybe Jones can play guard or be a backup guard, whatever. And otherwise, maybe Price is the backup, and then next year he takes over. So I think that's the type of uh, – the guy you're looking for, a guy who can make you know a somewhat immediate impact, um, and then also just kind of help the team long term with that second pick. And then I think the other the position that's going to be interesting because I, I did one of these seven round mock drafts, and there's no way of knowing if how things are going to play out. But um, the running backs, I didn't yeah. really thinking I would take a running back, but then you get to like the third round. There's a lot of quality running backs on exactly. the board. And I, and I think if you're the Giants, that's a position where the value might be too high in, say, the third or fourth round. Because, again, I'm a guy who doesn't think you need to take Saquon Barkley at two because I think you can get another really talented running back in, in three or four. So I think that is going to be interesting to see uh, you know, how this running back class shakes out. It's supposed to be deep. It's very talented. So I think that's a position that maybe a little under the radar, but I could definitely see the Giants uh, targeting in the middle rounds.
0: Yeah, the guys I'd be looking at at the Combine are Sony Michelle from Georgia. Yeah. uh uh, Rashad Penny from San Diego State, uh, on Johnson from Auburn. I mean, I think anybody who has a history of catching passes in college football as a running back and is going to be available in these mid rounds is a guy the Giants should be looking at at the combine because I think it's going to be an um, uh, important part of Shermer's offense to have a running back who can catch the ball. That's what we've seen from him in. Uh, that's what we've seen from him in other spots, and that's a common way when your offensive line is not a team strength to uh, cut down on the amount of protection time is to dump the ball off to a running back
1: yeah for sure and the Giants don't really have that guy I mean they they kind of had very separated roles like Orleans Darko was the between the tackles first and second down guy and Shane Vreen was just third down guy Gallman and Perkins are kind of somewhere in between, but yeah. definitely not, you know, explosive receiving options. So I think it would be great if you could find a guy who can do a little yeah. bit of everything. So you're yeah. not kind of sort of telegraphing. When Shane Vereen came in, they were throwing the ball or they were on a draw. Um, yeah. so when yeah. dark were they were probably running, the, you know, you know, in between the tackles, or at least you know you knew he wasn't going to be much of a receiving threat. So I think that'd be that'd be big for them to get, you know, sort of a more well-rounded guy because I, I think that their pieces are fine. Like I, I, again, I just don't think you need. A, like a game changer running back. If you have the other positions in, in place and if you have a good offensive line, um, yeah. I think, I think Gallman's a solid player. Uh, yeah. We'll see what they bring Darkwood back, but I, I think running back's a position that definitely could, you know, could go for an upgrade. I just don't think it needs to be a top of the draft upgrade.
0: Here's some other guys I'll look for at the NFL combine. Cause I think linebackers in position, you and I agree. They're going to have mm-hmm. to overhaul, especially on the inside linebacker uh, m- mid round guys. I'll be, You know, keeping tabs on at the combine are Micah Kaiser of Virginia, Jason Jason Kabinda, who is a Jersey guy. Actually, covered him in high school at Hunter and Central uh, at Penn State, and Josie Jewel of Iowa. Uh, That might be a little bit of my uh, Big Ten background showing through. (laughs) A guy at Penn State and a guy at Iowa, both really good players. I watched almost every Saturday, who are just tackling beasts, and uh, I think that's kind of what the Giants need in a three in a three four defense is linebackers who are, if the you know snacks, Harrison uh, takes on some double teams and frees you up to make plays. You better have athletic linebackers who can, uh, you know, be tackling machines.
1: Yeah. And I guess the last group of players I'd probably throw out is some offensive tackles just because if they don't get one and, you know, we're talking about, you know, those 20, 20 ish picks, uh, they might not be there at 34. So then you kind of have to move to sort of the next tier. Um, uh, you know, Oregon's, uh, Tyrell Crosby one guy, uh, West, West Georgia's Desmond Harrison's another guy. He's an
0: interesting guy. I think he got, I want to say he got kicked out of Texas or,
1: yeah, uh, yeah
0: I think you're right. Yeah. They, he's an interesting, cause I'm, I remember hearing his name. I was like, what? West Georgia. We're going <laughs> to, we're talking about a guy from West Georgia. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, uh, but I believe he was a big time prospect who, uh, you know, had some, uh, character stuff come up.
1: Yeah, I mean, and those happen. I mean, look at Avery Moss. I mean, he was, he, I saw him, you know, Youngstown State, which is, you know, a good, you know, 1AA program, but he started his career in Nebraska and got in some trouble there. Um, so, the you know, clearly, guy, like a guy like that, the interview process is going to be very important to, uh, to, you know, to make sure that, you know, whatever happened in the past is in the past, but um sometimes you can kind of get a little bit of a sleeper there because a the guy might you know not be quite as high on the radar because again he went you know finished a career at West Georgia um so I think that's another position where definitely I mean they have to address this offensive line and and kind of on all fronts free agency the draft you know maybe uh undrafted free agents you know maybe you find a diamond in the rough like clearly uh Andrew Norwell has become the spell of the ball but he was an undrafted free agent that Dave Gettleman uncovered so uh, let's see if he can kind of work that Midas touch again because uh, this, this team clearly needs help there. So I think that's a spot where if they're you know, probably not going to get one at number two, obviously. So uh, 34, even in the third round, I think that's that's going to be a position that will definitely be uh, you know kind of high on their board that they need to be checking those guys out and, and see if they can get someone who can step in, whether it be a right tackle or a left tackle or at least provide some quality depth. Um, so I think that's a position that will definitely be kind of high on the priority list.
0: It's something you and I talked about, which is crazy, is like the order of the NFL offseason is wacky. So you're scouting guys before you know who you're going to sign in free agency, which could totally change your needs. And then you do the NFL draft and like. You better have been smart at the combine <laughs> because if your needs change at, you know, during free agency, it's, it's it seems kind of out of whack. Like it should be free agency, combine draft or combine draft free agency. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, you're kind of open up the door for me here to kind of state one of my, my causes. I have a lot of causes, but one of them, I just, I don't quite understand why the draft comes after free agency. It just doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, the argument people make that, That I just, it doesn't, it's not backed up by logic in my opinion, is that somehow the players will lose money. And they, their thought process is there. Well, like say the Giants need a tight end, and then they go get Evan Engram in the first round. Then they wouldn't necessarily have to sign Red Ellison to a four-year, $18 million deal. Maybe that's true, but then some other team who wanted a tight end in the draft yeah. wouldn't get one. So then they need Red Ellison just as bad as yeah. the Giants did. So I, I think it would all kind of even out in the wash. I mean, maybe individual players would get squeezed or something. But I just, I just think if there's a finite amount of money... And there's a finite amount of draft picks. You can't fill every hole in the draft. So just because a team fills these seven holes, but they're still going to have five other holes that they're going to need to pay money. And another team would have to fill the hole. You know, it just, to me, I think it would even out. And I think it would just make for, I mean, I guess I'm siding with the teams here. I think it would make, you know, team building a lot simpler. You'd say, okay, These are seven guys we got in the draft, so now we really need a tight end. Now we really need an outside linebacker. You know exactly what you need. Now it's sort of a guessing game, and, and it makes it sort of more intriguing maybe. But, I mean, and people just say it wouldn't work. Well, I mean, it works in the NBA, so I don't, I, don't, I don't buy that, like, it wouldn't work in professional sports. I mean, NBA, the draft happens, then free agency. So, um, I don't know, that's kind of, like I said, one of my causes. And no one's really giving me a very – logical answer that oh the players to lose money like oh, okay that sounds good and then i start thinking about like why <laughs> yeah. so um but so then it just makes this whole thing tougher even for us because we're gonna sit here and project like you know who and it's want all to about draft. us it's all about yeah, making i mean at the best best. end of the day i mean my, my mock draft is it's a little bit <laughs> of a crapshoot right now you know because <laughs> i don't know if they're gonna get andrew norwell before i'm doing this mock draft <laughs> you know so <laughs> but no I, I, it's just it's funny i just think it would just kind of logically speaking it would make more sense to do it that way. But I mean, listen, they've done it this way for a million years. They're certainly not going to change it now. I mean, the players are, are fighting for everything they can because they keep losing all these C- CBA yeah. deals. So they're not going to go back and, and give something back that they, they feel it might hurt them. So I think this is definitely gonna be the way it'll stay for, uh, for a good while.
0: Let's uh, circle it back and end on the combine, right? Cause this is what we were really talking about. Um, give me the 40 yard dash. Always wows me. Right. And you again, you've been there. I haven't full circle. Um, the 40 yard dash fascinates me because it's like one one hundredth of a second changes. <laughs> like, you know, John Ross went like 10th or 11th, the Washington wide receiver last year because he ran so fast. Forget the fact mm-hmm. that he's always injured or whatever. <laughs> uh, well You can run really fast. What do you think of the 40 yard dash overrated uh, or not? And is there an, what do you, is there another drill that comes to your mind is like, this is what, you know, NFL teams should pay more attention or less attention to this drill.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, it's like one of those questions that definitely I really had no understanding of before I kind of got into this. I still, again, it's maybe another cause of mine that I think a lot of the stuff is a little uh, not the way I I think makes the most sense to do it. But I guess the bottom line is they they just it's a it's a barometer that you can compare two guys. So you can watch tape and you can try and guess who's faster, but at least if they both have to run the same you know, the same test on the same track, you at least can say, all right, well, this guy's definitely faster than that guy. But a, there's, you know, a million examples through history of, you know, guys who are game day players or whatever, or guys who, you know, play faster when the lights come on. And the thing that drives me nuts about the combine is, do it in pads, like that makes yeah. a difference. I don't understand that. Like, yeah. why would you have the guys running in shorts and a t-shirt? Same with the quarterbacks throwing. I mean, listen, I know these guys are all elite athletes, so it doesn't make that much of a difference. Like, whereas I was in high school with shoulder pads that were too, you know, two sizes too big, I couldn't even, you know, throw ten yards with pads on. But I still think it just doesn't make sense to do these tests without the pads. I mean, like you're testing them with a variable that is just not going to be in play. I mean, they're in spandex. It's it's kind of silly to me. I, I don't quite understand. Uh, you know the reason behind that, you could say, "Well, make it may even make the same difference for everybody." Okay, we'll prove it. Like I, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see why uh, you wouldn't do it that way. Again, it's, again, it's kind of a, a minor thing, but it's always just stuck out to me. Uh, and I think just the whole combine process, though, it's like, you know, you've you've definitely covered it with Rutgers guys, and that's probably where yeah. I spent more time worrying about the combine when I was on the Rutgers beat because you're you're following the prospects, and they all say the same thing. You spend six, eight, ten weeks training. You know, it's like teaching to yeah. the test. You do the combine, if your tests are good, you don't even do pro day. So you you're done yeah. and you never do this stuff ever again. Like you <laughs> never you yeah. will not show up at Giants training camp and be asked to run a three cone drill. It's just it's like <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like I, I yeah. get that they have to have these baseline tests to judge athleticism. I think there is value to that, but when guys skyrocket on the combine, it's just crazy. It means that they were they're, they're gym warriors sometimes that translates, but there's a million examples where it doesn't. And again, yeah. it's like they're that means this guy picked up the technique to the three cone drill that's shaved two tenths of a second off that the other guy who was ten times better in for four years in college he didn't have the same trainer and he, he didn't, it's just to yes. me it's 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 so overdone with like the results of the combine but that doesn't mean in a week I won't be like oh my god that guy ran a four two forty like yeah. you know you can't yeah. help but get caught up in it but
0: i I guess I put I put it. a little I put a little more stock in the uh in the uh i guess i don't know how the like pure test the the pure speed like the 40 yard dash the pure vertical jump how high you can jump the broad jump Than i do in like the cone drills or the ones that are like i feel like more of an acquired skill am i making sense like uh yeah yeah yeah, there's ones that i feel like you have to be taught how to do right whereas like how fast you can run and how high you can jump i i kind of feel like those actually really matter
1: yeah, but it's funny too because you you look at certain teams and I think it's the Patriots. I mean, obviously they're always kind of like a little ahead of the curve, and they they draft certain positions that have that almost always fall in the same category. I'm sure it applies to a lot of teams, but the Patriots you know get more publicity about it. But like a lot of their slot receivers always have very fast like shuttle times and stuff because it's all about change of direction. So, um, I mean. You, Teams can definitely use the information and yeah. and use it differently and use it to their advantage and stuff. But just to me as like a as, a as a layman as an outsider, some of it just seems a little crazy. And again, like again, John Ross. I mean, his he was, no one was talking about him as a you know borderline top ten pick, and then he runs a you know four two forty, and all of a sudden he's he's in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, but well, yeah. he, he saw what he did on tape for three years. Like I don't understand yeah. why it changes yeah. so much what a guy does in four point two yeah. seconds over what you have you know film and and everything else that should yeah. be going into the equation. So I, I think it should be like a it's a piece. It's an important piece. I think the the conversations, the interviews are very important. The medical stuff, we didn't even talk about that. that's very important. Oh, gosh, yeah. chance for these doctors to get their hands on these guys and really investigate things. And uh, yeah. it's going to be fascinating with Josh Rosen because he has concussion history. Yeah. And I mean, you can't, it's not there's a test they can do. Oh, okay, well, he's, he's, he's going to get one. And if he gets it three more times, you know, you, you're still taking yeah. a leap of faith, but uh, that's a big part of it. And I think the testing, you know, it, it matters. It sets a baseline, but uh, I think, you know, we'll all get too carried away with it for a week. And then I, I think most teams are smart enough to, to keep it in perspective, but definitely we've seen many times where they don't, they let a guy shoot up the draft board and then he becomes a bust because he just isn't that good at football, which at the, yeah. end of the day is what you should be evaluating.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, the quick example from both our shared history is a guy from Rutgers, Brandon Coleman, who right. was like a projected third round pick and actually ended up going undrafted. Because no one, not us, not the national guys, realized that he had, I guess, some stuff had popped up at his NFL combine uh, medical. Yeah. Uh, and now he's four years into an NFL career. I think he'll be a free agent, free agent this year. He'll definitely sign. He's been a solid like third receiver for the yeah. Saints. And teams all got scared off because of his uh, knee at uh, the NFL combine.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I remember that well. He was the uh, the number one player on Mel Kiper's big board for like all of day three. And I just wanted him to get picked so I could go about my day. I yeah. had to sit there for six hours watching and he never got freaking picked. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely happens. Yeah. The guy's getting, you know, quote unquote red flagged and that's what happened to him. But and then again, you see that even that is imperfect science because, yeah, he's turned out to be a very serviceable NFL player, which everyone kind of expected him to be until he went in and got red flag. So um, it's, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating process. I mean, you're going for the first time. I think you'll find it pretty interesting, kind of uh, just the entire experience um, just being around the whole spectacle of it. So uh, you'll be able to report back uh, on your, uh, your first, your first trip to Indy and I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll get to St. Elmo's and get some of the, uh, the shrimp <laughs> and everything and the the cocktail sauce. But Uh, Yeah, so it'll it'll be kind of this is really the kickoff, in my opinion, of the offseason. The Super Bowl is kind of in the rear view now. It's kind of full steam ahead on the draft. So all eyes will be uh, on the combine here. So we will uh, look forward to your report from Indy. All right.
0: Yeah. Now that we've told you how uh, wacky and all it can be, make sure you read us and believe everything we say
1: exactly right it's gospel Uh, but yeah and uh, thanks for listening like I said the next time we'll do a podcast will be after the combine and uh, we'll, we'll really be looking at free agency at that point